Hello, welcome to another episode of One of Us Has to Be Right. Um, today's going to be a little bit different than what you guys are normally listening to, so if you've tuned in in the past, you know that I'm usually alongside Josh Deal. but today, just because of some driving scheduling conflicts, uh, Josh wasn't able to make it this week, but totally okay, and I miss him dearly, but the show must go on, and I'm excited. So... So, let's get into things. Uh, to start, we just saw UFC 259. We saw John Blanchovich absolutely destroy Israel Adesanya. Uh, it's it's something that I thought wouldn't happen, so I'm not going to lie. I wasn't right in that. And nothing but mad, mad respect to Jan. But Izzy, still going to be a monster at middleweight, but I think that this really knocks out the John Jones whole like John Jones Izzy fight. So I'm gonna start with Scary and Scares You, as you guys have been accustomed to now. So a team that really well not necessarily a team, but a sort of sports icon that scares me really, really good is None other than the Julian Edelman receiver for the New England Patriots. What we saw Miles Leonard come out and saying was nothing short of anti-Semitic. And Julian Edelman, being somebody of Jewish faith and descent, offering nothing but peace, blessings, and education for Myers-Leonard is probably one of the classiest things that I've ever seen, but what else would we expect from Julian Edelman? Scary good week from him, and nothing but the utmost respect to Julian Edelman. Now, moving on to a more, I guess, un like not necessarily an idealistic, but a team that is absolutely terrifying me right now, are the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? I don't... I get... Okay, I get them releasing Eric Fisher for cap reasons. I get Eric Fisher. I don't get Mitchell Schwartz. You know, Eric Fisher coming off on a bad injury might even miss some time this coming year. But getting rid of both your starting left and right tackle, seeing what happened to them in the Super Bowl and how much they needed those guys um, really just baffles me. I know that this is a super-duper strong tackle class, especially what you, what the Chiefs will be able to find probably at 32. But maybe somebody else in free agents, I don't know if they have enough money to sign uh, Trent Williams, make an offer on him. Riley uh, Reef is, is a free agent. I'm trying to think there aren't too many really 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 good tackles this this free agency I mean I guess Alejandro Vanilla Weva but but yeah so I don't um I don't know what they were thinking especially cuz Mitchell Schwartz only saved him 6 million in cap this year but you know the two tackles are gone and there's nothing that I can do about it, and there's nothing Patrick Mahomes can do about it as he's going to be running for his life 
even more than usual in my opinion. But but yeah, Chiefs don't know what you're doing. You got to get your man some protection, not just the weapons around him because otherwise your entire next f- few years aren't going to be the most productive if your quarterback is on his is on his rear end every single play. Look at look at what's happening to Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. I'm not saying that it'll get that bad with Patrick Mahomes. He's treated like a god there. But Kansas City better watch out and shouldn't be surprised if they really incur the repercussions of getting rid of two of their starting tackles in one offseason. So, you know, moving on, speaking of, like, players being cut, this was the uh, franchise tag deadline just passed this Tuesday, and by next Tuesday, players need to be uh, not players. Teams need to be under the cap, which is now set at one hundred eighty-two million, which is about twenty million less from last year that teams were playing with. And we saw some insane tags. We saw some insane cuts. And normally, right now, I'd be asking Josh what player slash players he's most upset that got tagged from like a selfish standpoint of that you wanted your team to sign them, what players are you most upset with and what surprised you the most? So I'm going to start with what surprised me the most. Um, being the fact that this was one of the situations that everybody was really watching, which was Allen Robinson in Chicago. For them to just slap a tag on him just to keep him, I think he's getting paid something like eighteen million next year. Really, came out of nowhere for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people too. I'm sure for Allen Robinson, just because he had no communication with the team since off season, since well, like since the off season started throughout the off season, I meant. But Bears said we're not going to let you walk. We're gonna pay eighteen million dollars for you. Maybe they maybe they trade him, get something out of him. But yeah, Allen Robinson, I really wanted to see him in Jacksonville, but he's not the player that I'm most selfishly upset about. So I'm gonna take the cheap way out here and I'm gonna say an entire position group that I'm so upset about that all got tagged is that there are no safeties this entire offseason none I don't even want to hear in the draft Trayvon Morig's good Javon Holland's good Richie Grant solid okay Justin Simmons Marcus May and Marcus Williams all got the tag the only the only realistic players to get signed left are John Johnson from the Rams and Anthony Harris from the Vikings. I For a team that desperately, desperately needs safety help, I am so... I'm happy Josh isn't here because I'd, be, I'd probably be going harder. At how upset I am right now, because it's it's honestly ridiculous. It it's very upsetting that they were tagged, and now the Jaguars are either gonna have to take a middle of the road safety, 
or spend a high pick on a good safety, good starting safety. And and one thing, one other player I forgot to mention that I was surprised that that either got tagged or didn't get tagged was Shaq Barrett. You know, I think that the Bucks are still going to try to make a push on him, and they chose Chris Godwin over him to tag. Unless they know something about Shaq Barrett that the rest of the league doesn't know, I'm pretty surprised that that he just didn't get the tag. Didn't get a transition tag either because teams can have a franchise and a transition tagged player. But he didn't get it. So unless that they're that confident that nobody is going to throw enough money at him to walk away from a potential championship next year in a long-term deal, they, they're pretty bold for it, in all honesty. Especially having Chris Godwin and... Um, Mike Evans. I don't know. I really thought that that they would have spent that tag on Shaq Barrett. And I know Josh would have said that he's most uh, surprised that Kenny Galladay didn't get the tag from the Lions. They're just going to let him walk. Probably the best receiver on this market. But, yeah. I also wish that I saw Brandon Sheriff get a deal and not just tags. He's still getting paid, though. Good for him. And Leonard Williams making something like $19 million next year. So I guess go go Giants. Go that D-line. Dalvin, Tomlin, or Dalvin Tomlinson is, is gone, I guess. But they got their guy, Leonard Williams, and Jaguars are stuck without a safety. Jaguars are super stuck without a safety. I know we just franchise-tagged Cam Robinson, which was also a shock. I thought we were going to rebuild again. But... Like not rebuild, but but you utilize our draft picks on a young tackle. But nonetheless, we still could. We could still slide Cam inside, take take somebody later in in the draft. And speaking of tackles in this draft, I'm now gonna be giving my top five offensive tackles coming into this next uh twenty twenty one draft class. Now there's there's absolutely no debate on who the number one tackle in this draft class is, and it's Panay Sewell, um, an insane athlete, a true true left tackle. I wish I saw I wish I saw some of him this year, but he was he was so dominant last year, especially in the passing game. His length on the perimeter is absolutely insane. Um, he hasn't. Put too many hands in the ground being out of Oregon. So we'll see how he transitions in the run games. But uh, but he's somebody that, that can easily be kicked inside to guard if if these athletic edge rushers give him issues. But he has great length on the perimeter. But there's just no other way to cut it. Panay Sewell is an absolute monster. And I think that whoever snags him, whether it's like the Bengals at five, if the Dolphins are thinking about it, even if the Jets are thinking about it, they don't trade out of it. But Panay well, clear consensus, number one. Uh, number two, not much of a surprise to most people, but I have uh, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Super-duper flexible guy. Absolutely balled out at his pro day. He, again, opted out of the 2020 season and hasn't played since the end of 19. But... His work, especially against guys like Trey Young and um, 
Jason Onwe really came on to play this year, but um, his his cutoff not Onwe, but Slater's cutoff abilities absolutely insane. Patient footwork in space, uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be a real good tackle for somebody coming into this draft. Uh, let's go to number three. This one is going to be a bit of a shock for some people, but other people know how high I am on this kid. <laughs> I say kid even though he's like the same age as me, maybe a year older. But that is none other than Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. He's been moved all around that Oklahoma State line, 6'6", 320, fifth-year senior. The best word that I could use to describe him is a bully. Okay. Every single play, his only goal is to absolutely humiliate anybody that's that's just lined up opposite from him in a different color jersey. The only the only way you get this man to stop is is when the whistle blows and then about 30 seconds after that cuz he'll put you into the dirt. He he has a couple questions when it comes to offensive tackle play, just because he hasn't had the most experience of uh, at, at that position. But but he's definitely a right tackle starter for me. And in the NFL, he's 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 a big mauler guy who definitely is going to be insane in the run with especially how fast he is with his striking abilities you're gonna see him get his hands on the inside of guys faster than than they can even get off the line um really like tevin jenkins and i want people to put a lot more respect on his name uh number number four for me gotta be christian derisaw out of virginia tech um he started for them from as a true freshman and he has an insane size uh, length and mobility, he just checks. He checks all the boxes, and will immediately be an asset in the NFL. Outside zone runs are especially solid for him. The way he can pull and connect with uh, first and second lines, absolutely insane. Uh, I I don't know how how he has been as far as um, pass protection goes. But he definitely has the upside and potential to be a true uh, left tackle, if not a solid starting right tackle, which is nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. I also want to say, if I say these guys are like right tackle material, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I know there's a there's a big connotation between, oh, if you're a left tackle, you're better than than uh, right tackle. And I, I mean, I personally think that left tackle is more important but, I mean, that that's if you have a righty quarterback. But guys lined up on the right tackle are just as important. Mitchell Schwartz is just as important as Eric Fisher, and both of them are gone. And I just I just really love um, Christian Derrishaw and Tevin Jenkins. But, yeah, moving on to my number five guy. And he's this guy is the definition of a true right tackle. I don't think that there's any way you could slide him to the left. Is Samuel Cosme from Texas? Um, he's just he, he used to be a fullback and moved to the trenches where he played D tackle, and then he moved to the O line. So he's he's an athletic guy 
who um, who if he can stay healthy because he had a bad ankle injury, uh, will will give a lot of production for a lot of guys. He played he played in in what was it? I think it's like thirty four out of out of thirty five games at tackle for the Longhorns. Uh, fourteen games at right tackle and twenty one at left tackle. He has he has a lot of experience at both. Um, he's only three ten for a six seven frame, so he's gonna have to put on a little bit little bit more weight. And he he doesn't really have a lot of strength at the first level. And he's not like a freak. He's not like a people mover. He's a shield blocker. Um, but he he when he throws his his frame around, he creates tons of running lanes. Really like his upside. Um, and yeah, I think that, that in my opinion, he's the, he's the, uh, fifth best tackle in this game or in this draft. Sorry, but he definitely should start as a, as a right tackle in my opinion. So a couple names that didn't make my cut Jalen Mayfield. Uh, I just, I don't like him at all. You know, he's only had 15 starts. And he couldn't hang with some of the biggest boys in that uh, in the Big Ten, such as I, I. And I know he's playing against Jason Onway. I know he's playing against Chase Young, trying to get uh, some of those other guys. But Jalen Mayfield, he has some upside, but he doesn't have that absolute explosive tackle, jump off the page. He's gonna protect your guy for the long run that I see in some of these other guys. Eichenberg can't really hang against speed. He's a lot better in the run than some of these other guys, which would probably put him at my seven. But overall, Eichenberg just he I don't see him as as a tackle. I see him as a mauler uh guard, which once again, nothing wrong with it, but he's listed as a tackle, so I'm gonna judge him based on his tackle playing abilities. Like I said, better in the run. Terrible against speed and not as much of a presence as you would like in, in moving people. Dylan Raddins from North Dakota State is definitely my number six. Jalen Mayfield being my eight. Sorry, I don't know if I clarified that. But Dylan Raddins needs to get a little bit more size on him. And he needs to be able to get to the second level a little bit better, especially in the run game. I think he's like, what are size? It's like 6'5" high twos so like 295 i think so he's got to get a little bit more size on him but he really made his money at his at his senior bowl day well senior bowl not senior bowl day i'm waiting for his pro day but his senior bowl where he absolutely balled against the best other talent available in this draft even though there aren't too too many edge rush guys that are transcendent talents but dylan radden's I think is somebody that if you could fill out his frame, he's going to be a problem for edge rushers alike in the NFL. And now we're going to we're going to wrap it up here. I know this has been a little bit of an unorthodox episode and it's a little shorter cuz I didn't really plan on on filling more space and being the only one talking. It actually feels a little awkward just sitting in my room here without Josh yelling at me because I know this this last topic we'd really be going at it so we saw a man get paid this last week that man is none other than Dak Prescott 
Jerry Jones now being quoted saying, "If and if I'm gonna pay for over for, if I'm gonna overpay for anybody, I'm glad it's this guy." I'm not saying it's a bad contract. I'm not saying it's a bad contract. Four years, a hundred sixty million with about five in incentives. I think it's one twenty eight guaranteed, sixty six signing bonus. 9 million bases first year. And he extended over a five or over a six year period that's voidable for the fifth and sixth years in order to spread out the cap. Signing bonus as far as cap hits goes are spread out over four years. I think yeah, I think it's four years. But he got sixty six up front, seventy five million this year. Forty four about about 40 I think it was 42 million averaged over his first 3 years no trade clause so Cowboys can't move him up to Seattle after his 4th year the team can't tag him there's a no franchise tag clause in his in his contract and it'd be something like a 95 million dollar cap hit if they traded him to Seattle. So there's no signing trade deal with Dak going on and he's their quarterback for the next 4 years. Which I, which I'm perfectly fine with. He's he's an insane talent. I loved him out of Mississippi State. I saw him oh, I remember this vividly. I saw him playing in a preseason game. My dad was like, "Do, do you know anything about this kid?" And I was like, "Yeah, I know you guys got him pretty late, but he's he's going to be a baller." Preseason comes, he absolutely kills it. Comes out, plays pretty decent his first year. Um, and and I'm making and and I'm saying this, assuming that he comes back fully healthy with that terrible, terrible leg injury. But he was overpaid. He was overpaid. I mean, just just from what you've already gotten from him, he's overpaid. The second highest, um, well, the first highest signing bonus in NFL history, and now just barely behind Patrick Mahomes in annual salary. He's overpaid. He's not, and, and the thing is that I understand the way that the market resets itself. I totally get that. And the reason that I'm saying that's not a bad contract is because there are a bunch of talks of of in the next three to four years the cap shooting up from 180 to 250 million based on these new TV deals that are supposed to come out. Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones knows something. Um, but but for now, Dak Prescott getting 40 million dollars. He had. You know, he was slinging the ball. He had decent numbers, especially last year. Um, not not 2020, but the previous year. For, uh, 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns, and 11 picks, right? But they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. The previous year, they went 10-6, and six, and his rookie year, he went 13-3, and three. you know, Second year they finished nine and seven. But where's the where's the rest of that money 
going to go? Who's going who's gonna to fill in those gaps? That offensive line isn't what it used to be. Okay. Jalen Smith just got a huge contract. He hasn't been performing up to his standards. They have no secondary. Their offensive... Tyron Smith's getting paid the house, plus a sink. And you got Ezekiel Elliott making bank, who doesn't deserve that contract either. No running back deserves an insane contract unless their name is Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. Maybe Derrick Henry, but I hope he doesn't fizzle out. And that's coming from a Jaguars fan. But... If you're going to throw for almost 5,000 yards and you're going to go 8-8, eight and eight, you need to spend that money in other places. There's so many years that Tom Brady only had probably like a 15 to $20 million cap hit on the Patriots, which is why they were able to put other pieces around him like like Hightower or, or um, McCourtney or Moss for a year. I know he didn't win that year, but... $40 million for Dak Prescott seems like a lot. I know that he was getting absolutely next to nothing for his first three years, which is totally understandable, and I, I would want him to go after everything that he could possibly get. You know, being on the tag last year, I think he made some thirty high $30 um, million dollar deal, and he would have been paid probably roughly around the same if he got tagged again. But it's just too it's too much money for me for Dak Prescott. You know, uh more than Deshaun Watson, more than Aaron Rodgers, more than Russell Wilson. I'm very curious to see what these next coming up guys are gonna also be getting now that Dak set that market. Well that well first now that Patrick Mahomes set the market, but I'm curious to see what Josh Allen's gonna get next year, what Lamar Jackson's gonna get next year, what Baker Mayfield's gonna get next year. And then in a couple more years, what Herbert's going to reset that to again? And then Dak on top of that again? Patrick Mahomes is locked in. In 10 years, $40 million for a quarterback is probably going to seem like chump change. It's going to look like it's gonna look like he's getting paid nickels on the dime. So, I don't, I don't hate the way that the contract is structured, but it's just a little too much money for me. And Dak's, Dak's agent needs a raise. But also, I think Jerry Jones knows that this cap is going to go absolutely up and there, there's going to be a lot more room to put those pieces together. And if and if they are, then this contract's worth it. But seeing that Carson Wentz and Jared Goff money go absolutely down the drain and then the Rams needing to give up first-round picks for a quarterback, that's like, he's he's a tier above him, but to give up two first-round picks just to lay, just to lay off that contract onto somebody else... It's just, it's it's a lot of money for a player who I don't think has any playoff wins. Does he? Playoff passings. Okay, he's 1-2 in the playoffs. And me and Josh were just sitting here talking about how Lamar can't play in the playoffs. So he shouldn't be getting this insane deal when it matters. Dak Prescott's been in the league longer than him, and he has the same amount of playoff wins, you know? So... I just I think it's a lot of money. I don't think Dak should get that. I don't think Lamar should get that. I think Josh Allen should. Baker Mayfield, not as much. 
I'm just, I'm just trying to think of these quarterbacks that are going to reset things. Matty Ice is probably going to be up in a couple years, but he's on his way out anyway. So, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's too much money for me, and I know I keep saying that, but all the credit to him, all the credit to his family. I know he's been through a lot this last year with his brother passing and a terrible injury that sidelined him for most of the season. I hope he comes back healthy. I hope he balls out. I hope he earns that contract. But for now, only one of us can be right, being that just me here. And if you made it all the way to the end, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week with some special guests.